0: Good Saturday afternoon. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you until 1 o'clock along with John Still. Uh, we've got some big news. I had, uh, I had a big week this week. On Wednesday, I wasn't in. Uh, I wasn't at the office because we had car wash day uh, at uh, CF Montreal headquarters. And uh, basically, if if you're not familiar with that term in the business, you know, which I liners. which I
1: which I wasn't, I honestly yeah, I was honestly convinced that there was a car wash. I was like, you it's thought cold out. It's thought the really were cold. My
0: car. Yeah, no. Well, no, not, not that you.
1: Works. Like fans or something. But I was like, no, it's no, really no, it's no. way too cold to be doing that. I, I don't know
0: so cf montreal or any car wash day in the business refers to you know you you hear those liners uh, like you just heard you're like you're listening to TSN 690 your home of cf montreal well basically you get the players and the coaches to record a bunch of those uh, hey this is uh, Will for Nancy and you're listening to CF Montreal soccer on TSN 690. So you get a bunch of that. Uh, also, the fun uh, two minutes widths so that you hear during the commercial breaks. Uh, we recorded a bunch of uh, a bunch of new ones. So those, there's some really funny answers there too. So CF Montreal season is. Is right around the corner we know that they're they've got a head coach now in wilford nancy we know that they're heading to orlando to continue training camp on april the 6th we know that the regular season opens on april 17th in miami against tfc what we don't know is when they're coming back home and when we're going to be able to see live soccer in the city again so hopefully that sooner rather than later uh, but to talk about that uh, we go to uh, first time joining us on the show roberto linares he's the director of ticket sales and service for cf montreal roberto thanks for joining us man how are you hey guys thanks for having me very well how are you yeah i'm, I'm doing very well i guess we'll start with uh, the real hard-hitting question here uh messi or ronaldo <laughs>
2: Uh, You can maybe see by the spelling of my last name, I'm Portuguese, so absolutely Ronaldo. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I I, I apologize for spelling your name wrong on the uh, initial tweet. Okay, but the question
1: is, Roberto, um, were you cheering for Cristiano or Porto in the Champions League?
0: Uh, good question. Uh, I gotta
2: say, Cristiano, my whole family oh, ever a Fica fan. Ah, Keep okay, I see, I see, well, I see. There you go. Yeah.
0: There you go. So, the, yeah, again, apologies for spelling your name wrong. I, I spelt it with a, a bit more of a, a Spanish influence, and I appreciate you messaging me and telling me that you're not Spanish or Portuguese. So I figured, <laughs> uh, I knew that how you were gonna answer that que- that first question. But there you go. You know, get, getting into the business side of things, uh, I'm curious to know how you guys are planning. For uh, fans at Stad Saputo this year, like how many plans do you guys have in place right now, depending on you know where the government goes with all this?
2: Well, a bunch, honestly. I mean, it's going to depend on the different restrictions that we find out about, but we're preparing for anywhere from you know hundreds to thousands, and unfortunately, we don't have any more details than that. We did similar stuff last year, we ended up at 250, unfortunately, which was a really low number, but we committed to. If we could host fans at Statsapudo, we're going to host fans. And I think we're taking the same approach this year. Um, and again, look, it'll depend on restrictions, but a couple of the things that we're working on are, for example, you know, a seat mapping system that will allow for social distancing between pods. Um, more than that, for example, mobile ticketing to make sure there's no touching anything physically. Um, we're collecting data to make sure at the time of purchase that guests uh, in every pod are from the same household, so those are the types of things that we can control on the ticketing side,, uh, but over and above that, it's really gonna it's gonna depend on whatever you know public health restrictions we're dealing with uh, when
0: a team is back in town so when you say pods, can you just clear that up for like what are we talking about like is pods a section like what are we talking about exactly?
2: Well, pods are basically little groups of buyers, so anywhere from one two three, four tickets, uh we okay. would probably limit that to four tickets, but who knows if we're allowed to have uh, small gatherings of up to ten people. Then those pods can be a little bit bigger. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see as time moves along here and uh, restrictions change. The other thing is obviously federal restrictions, right? The biggest right. issue we have right now is Americans coming into Canada. Once that's figured out, hopefully summers are on the corner and you know the weather is better and restrictions are eased up in terms of hosting uh, small gatherings.
0: So. Okay, so when you guys put together, you know, you you played last year. I I called a couple games from the stadium. There's 250 people in the building. Like, how how tough was all that to put together, and how is it different now than than it was back then? And is 250 worth it? Uh, it's
2: definitely tough. I mean, when you're dealing with, um, you know, and, and when you're going to have 250 people in the building, there's no doubt you're going to disappoint 99.9% of your fans because the mm-hmm. vast majority of people won't get access to the 250. Uh, the toughest thing was really trying to make it work operationally and, and making sure that we're doing it successfully and responsibly. But look, the reason we wanted to do it was to basically show public health that, you know, we're if we're going to do this, we want to show that we can do it Um, by following all the different health guidelines, we can do it responsibly and we can do it safely. So, yeah, complicated, but look, when you've got 20,000 seats, uh, hosting 250 is not that hard.
0: So how many people, and we're in conversation with Roberto Linares, he's the Director of Ticket Sales and Service for CF Montreal on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Look, again, you said the number of people is going to depend on government regulations, but in your opinion, how many people can you fit in that stadium while social distancing appropriately.
2: Well, again, it'll depend on what social distancing we're looking at. If we're looking at six feet or two meters like we were yeah. last year, and then we're looking at pods of one to four seats, we could probably push it to maybe three thousand. Okay. Um, so that's sort of what we're what we're looking at. So again, some teams in the States now are looking at four feet, some teams are looking at bigger pods. So there's a lot of, you know, variables there that could that could really change things.
0: So I know that the RIO, you know, the people at Olympic Stadium came out a few weeks ago and said, I think they said they can fit somewhere between eleven and 12,000 people comfortably. Um, why does that not make sense for you guys? Is it just the cost that it would take to, to get the big O?
2: Well, of course, that's part of it. I mean, I, that's not, it's not my place to talk about the cost on that. But I could tell you that the big O is indoors. We're outdoors and we feel like, you know, um, going a little... Further along with, if you look at what's going on around the league right now, that outdoor gatherings seem to be a lot more uh, loose than indoor gatherings. So we feel like being outdoors at Stad uh will allow us to maximize our capacity in a, in a bigger way. But moreover is that if we could play, if we have any time we have the choice, obviously we want to play at home. We want to be at Stad Saputo.
0: Of course, yeah. And in the outdoor gatherings, I mean, if it the fact that it's outdoors definitely helps. But so, how likely? I listen, and and I know I'm asking you to look into the crystal ball here. But how likely, in your mind, like when do you think? What's the soonest that a team that the team could be back in the city?
2: Uh, All I can tell you is what our objective is, and it's to get back as soon as possible. Unfortunately, I don't I don't have any specific dates. Uh, but I know everybody's working super hard to get back as soon as we can, working with all the different authorities that we need to be working with, including uh, MLS in there as well. So we want to get back as quickly as possible to play as many home games in Montreal at St. Deputo as we can.
0: How tough is it? I'm curious, man. Like how tough is it to keep people interested and keep people or uh, being in people's faces to, you know, keep their tickets and buy tickets when the team's not here?
2: Yeah, it's of course it's tough. I mean, it's a challenge that, you know, anybody in our industry is is working through right now. Uh, having said that, last year we were actually uh one of the teams with the best uh social media engagement in terms of uh, our fan base. Uh and going into this year, I think we sort of feel the same. I think the best way to keep fans engaged is uh through content. And it's really just producing the best content, making sure that um, you know, we're, we're in people's faces all the time, but that, you know, you've probably seen what our marketing team does. We, we really do produce some great content. Uh, one thing that we've done is we sort of pivoted and rather than just trying to sell tickets in a time where obviously selling tickets is not easy for anybody right now, for any sort of events. Uh, we actually came up with a, uh, considered a digital membership, uh, to CF Montreal, which we're calling the collective CFM. Yeah. Uh, and the product is essentially a digital subscription product. 5 bucks a month that gives you access to all of the sort of behind-the-scenes stuff uh, that we do at CF Montreal. Um, I'll walk you through a couple of those things. For example, we're producing an exclusive podcast. The uh, mm-hmm. podcast is hosted by Paul Debayet and Michel Kunta. And the idea is that we tie in football culture with the city of Montreal. Uh, we just released our third episode, uh, which features Laurent Simard. Uh, the podcast is called Le 45 5. It's basically 45-minute conversations where we tie in Something cool in Montreal, but also the football world. Um, so, for example, we might have a chef, we might have an artist. The idea is that we always want to find out somebody's connection to the sport uh, and to this city. Um, over and above the podcast, we've got exclusive videos, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that we're doing. For example, we're going to have an exclusive interview with, uh, with Fred Nancy, our new coach, which will be uh, on our platform on the Credit chip as of this week, uh, exclusively for about a week. Uh, and maybe the most uh, maybe the coolest thing about our program is that we could do uh live streaming uh, via the collective as well so this is not something that many uh teams are doing right now in the industry it's something that you know we're just sort of starting um but we've started now live streaming all of our press conferences uh whether that's after a practice we'll be doing it after games as well uh we're live streaming uh even training sessions as of this week so we're really trying to give our subscribers and Uh, Our members, when I say members, our season ticket holders also get access to this program for free. Um, So we're trying to give as much of that exclusive content as we can. And then over and above all of that, um, uh, all of our subscribers on Connective CFM get 15% off tickets at any time, 15% off merch. Uh, so that's sort of the, the digital subscription program that we yeah. put together in 2021, given the circumstances.
0: Yeah, it's all about, I mean, you, it's funny because you guys just have to get creative about different revenue streams. And uh, I really feel like yeah. you guys have done that. So uh, good job. Congrats, uh, Roberto. Hopefully we can have you on the ga- uh, on the show again real soon. And uh, hopefully next time you're on, you can tell us all about a concrete plan uh, and you can be uh, breaking the news that uh, you're going to be ha- welcome fans into the building. Thanks for doing this, man.
2: I hope so too, man. Thanks for having me and uh, hope to do it again soon.
0: Absolutely. That's Roberto Linares. He's the Director of Ticket Sales and Service for CF Montreal. I have no idea. Uh, when they're going to be back in the building. I don't know when I'm going to be back at Stad Saputo, but I, I definitely can't wait. John, I know you and I have both controlled the sidelines there. Uh, there is not a bad seat in the house. So I know the season starts on the 17th, like I said, against Toronto FC. I'm excited for that. Uh, but I'm also excited to be back in that building and have people in there. Even if it's 3,000, like Roberto said, that's interesting. That's a lower number than I thought. That was what kind of stood out about everything that he said.
1: Yeah, I mean... um I think they're just trying to be extremely cautious. I actually felt the the opposite. Is that three thousand? I I thought it was only. I thought they were going to keep it right around the the thousand mark. So that's a that's better for me than I than I had thought. But yeah, selfishly, that's all I care about. Is uh, will I be able to be on the sidelines? Um, But uh, I have a feeling that at some point this year, either you or I will be on the sidelines at Saputo Stadium. I I just feel like we're we we are. We're doing enough. There's still a lot of things that are that are difficult with what's happening right now until everyone gets a shot, but I think we're doing enough to round a corner right now where there will be a uh let's say 10% of normality returning to uh, some kind of sports here in the city.
0: Yeah, I just I thought cuz it would be, you know, cuz it's outdoors, I just I thought they could maybe get it. I, and again, this is all going to depend on, you know, government regulations and stuff. But I thought if it was 2 meters or 6 feet you know, I thought they could maybe squeeze 5,000 in there, but I'm, you know, I'm not, I didn't go there. I didn't show up to, stats to put it with a ruler or a measuring tape or anything like that. So, uh, you know, very interesting stuff uh, from uh, Roberto Linares of uh, CF Montreal. Uh, it's that time of, of the show, John. It's you, you get to guess a bunch of middle names. What's Dwayne, the Rock Johnson's full name? Ah, it's time for another edition of the middle name game on Saturday Sports. We'll go through some major headlines in sports, and we'll guess the middle names of some prominent athletes coming up next on TSN 690. Welcome back. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, John Still with you till 1 o'clock. We will be joined by Montreal Alouettes receiver, former Pittsburgh Steeler, and a former XFL wide receiver as well, Eli Rogers, he'll join us in less than 10 minutes time. So you don't want to miss that. Uh, It is time for the middle name game. Uh, John still, did you get one last week? Because the last week was the debut of the middle name game. I, mean, I, we- I, I definitely did not. Okay. Yeah, um, you loved Russell Carrington Wilson. I know you liked that one.
1: Yeah, yeah. Something tells me that's going to be like a name of a fantasy sports team of mine or something. <laughs> like, it's, it's that good. It's absolutely ridiculous. But uh, okay. no, yeah. there's so many names. I would be shocked if throughout the entirety of us doing this, if I get like three of them. Like honestly, well,
0: I'll give you I'll give you the initial, and and you guys can play along too with John Still. Give John a hand here at eleven six ninety. No cheating, of course. Uh, but uh, I'm gonna say a name, and uh, I'll give you the initial of the middle name, John, so it'll make it a little more fair. But if you want to help John Still out, you can text him at eleven six ninety. Uh, the first one we talked all about it in the opening segment. John, uh, Dwayne D Johnson and the XFL uh, wanna. I don't know if they want to merge, but they want to form some type of partnership with the CFL, and it looks like the CFL wants him back. So Dwayne D. Johnson is the first middle name that I would like for you to guess.
1: I should know this because I did read uh, The Rock's autobiography. Then again, that was like 12 years ago. Yeah, I was going to say that's a while ago. I think it's possible that I may have forgotten something. Um, D, man... It
0: can't be like a Derek or something, right? So um, it's not. I'll go. I mean, I wouldn't overthink it though. Like, uh, don't don't let the Carrington and Wilson. No, you no. Know, last I'll week go with uh, I'll you. go with Daniel. Daniel, a very good guess, but not correct. Not correct. It is not Daniel. It is not Derek. Uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, a middle name that I don't think fits. Uh, but I don't know that his parents could have predicted that he would grow up to be six foot. Six or six foot seven. Dilbert is. is it? Dilbert. It is Douglas. It is Douglas. oh, Dwayne Douglas Johnson. That's all right. No, it's not a bad. Well, name do you, you associate yes. Douglases with being like the, the small, puny folks? To all the no. to all the Dugs out there. No, when I think Dugs, I, th- I I think Doug from uh, the King of Queens, and he was uh, ah, more I more see. stocky. He's I see. Little, I see. Yeah, St- stocky would be right. Yeah, portly, yes. something heavy of that set. nature. Said. All right, uh, I want to move on to our next headline. Dak Prescott got a four-year $160 million deal. There's $126 million of that is guaranteed, John. Uh, he got that at the beginning of this week. It seems like forever ago. I don't know. I know, seriously. I don't know why. But uh, they paid him. I was surprised that, uh, that they committed that type of money to him before seeing him on the field again after that compound fracture. But at the same time, I'm also a little bit confused as to why they would pay him now but not – Last year when he was totally healthy, or the year before that. So, uh, I'll, so look, this is a little bit different because you know Dak's name is Dakota, but Dakota is his middle name. So I'm looking for Dak Prescott's first name, which starts with the letter R. Interesting. I'll go.
1: Uh, I'll go classic. I'll go. Uh, classic r- is wrong. I'm telling you right now. Classic, classic is, wrong. is wrong. All right. Classic okay. All right. Yeah. Good. Uh, r. R and not classic. Um, I will go with. I'll go with Roscoe.
0: I like. I like the. I like how original you're going. But no, I uh, think John. If it's not sunny out, it's cloudy, and sometimes what you know with clouds there is. No way! Really, I didn't know that his uh,
1: his uh, parents were hippies. Rain. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, R-A-Y-N-E. Oh, rain, it's rain like Dakota, that. Okay, okay, Prescott. okay, yes. okay, okay.
0: All right, and uh, this is an interesting one. So uh, Tommy Brady signs that uh, I know is a four-year deal on paper, but it's really a one-year extension, so they've got him for two <laughs> years out in Tampa. Saves $19 million on the salary cap. Uh, I I didn't know Tom Brady's middle name. I don't know why I, I felt like I should have, but I didn't. Uh, but also... Uh, Not as fancy as yours, but he has two middle names. The parents went with the double middle name. Double middle name. So it's Thomas Brady, but there are two uh, very classic names uh, as uh, middle names. And what are the initials on these middle names? E and P.
1: Okay, I got it. I got it. Uh,
0: Tom Edward Philip Brady. Very close. Very, very close. I will give you partial credit. Thomas, Edward, Patrick, Patrick, Brady. Patrick. See Philip. Philip was a bit more pretentious, so
1: uh, that—that's why I went with Philip. But uh, okay, you know what. uh,
0: I'll give you partial credit. That's That's, one one for four.
1: It's one for seven for the first two weeks, which is, for me, in this game, uh, quite good. I I don't feel bad about it. But, uh, yeah, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. Could you get more Irish? Could you really get (laughs) more Irish than Thomas Edward Patrick Brady? Monsieur.
0: Yeah, I had uh, one more on the list. where We're up against it because Eli Rogers is going to join us. So I'll just uh, throw it out there very quickly, John. Uh, Cam Newton, Cameron, has signed a one-year deal to stay uh, with the New England Patriots. Uh, it originally was reported as a $14 million deal, uh, but when we got the uh, when the numbers came out, it was a base salary of $5 million with a lot of incentives that he probably won't hit, uh, team incentives and individual incentives that can carry it up to four, uh, $14 million, but it's really a base value of $5 million. So I do think the Patriots are going to go out and get themselves another quarterback this offseason. Uh, but if I told you that his name is Cameron J. Newton, what would you say? Uh, I'll go with James. The correct answer is Jarrell. Sorry, John, still. But listen, Damn. John, you got partial credit on, Thank you. Uh, Thank on you. Tommy Brady, so that's very impressive. Uh, so, uh, yes, uh, tune in next week for another edition of the Middle Name Game. I'm looking at uh, the text message board, and uh, nobody got any of these right, so your partial credit... Uh, is more than anybody on the text message board God, John at uh, eleven six ninety. 690. Uh, it's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, he's John Still, with you till 1 o'clock. What was it like to be in the huddle with Ben Roethlisberger? What was Antonio Brown like behind the scenes? Alouette's receiver and former Pittsburgh Steeler Eli Rogers will tell us this is Saturday Sports on TSN 690.
3: You guys have had some tough losses this year. Patty, I'm guessing this has to be up near the top after a 4-1 lead early in the third. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think it's pretty fair to say. I think it's pretty embarrassing, but, um, yeah. Um, By my count, I I didn't see you the final seven minutes of the game. Are you surprised that that the bench was shortened and you weren't part of the game after that? Um, Yeah, we got scored on a couple times, but, um, you know, I think the first two, um, if you take out the one play where the puck was bouncing a little bit and couldn't get it out and they end up scoring, I thought I was playing good, but... Um, I guess I, th- I thought wrong. Yeah. How, uh, how, how tough is a game like this to overcome? I mean, maybe that's a question for tomorrow, but is this the kind of game that can linger with the team for a while? Uh, I don't know. I hope not. Uh, i think it's just tired of losing and uh, you know, having a 4-1 lead on the third. You just, you just can't
0: lose those games. That's just, that's just a fact. Welcome back, Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, John, still with you till 1. We are waiting on Eli Rogers, the Owls receiver, former Pittsburgh Steeler, to join us. So uh, while we wait for him, I did want to talk a little bit uh, about the situation out in Columbus. And uh, you heard Patrick Line with Aaron Portsline right there. Uh, Patrick Laine doesn't... uh... Doesn't sound too thrilled. Maybe he was excited to get out of Winnipeg and uh, try something new, uh, but it hasn't worked out great uh, out in Columbus so far with John Tortorella, even though uh, I know that the first time he was benched, he came out afterwards, and I think he had told off uh, assistant coach Brad Larson, and he came out afterwards after the fact and said that he deserved to be benched. Uh, But now, a couple nights ago, did not play uh, in overtime, and neither he or Jack Roslevic So, and he came out, said he thought that he wasn't playing so bad, as you just heard. Uh, but, uh, yes, things very interesting in Columbus. But uh, the reason I want to bring up the Blue Jackets is because there's a former Montreal Canadian on that roster by who goes by the name of Max Domi, who is really struggling. And Aaron Portsline of The Athletic, he's a terrific beat writer out in Columbus, was on with Tony Marinero on the Montreal Forum yesterday. Uh, and there was a piece of sound that I want you to hear. Uh, this is Aaron Portsline describing Max Domi's game. I knew it was bad. I didn't think it was this bad. Here's what Aaron had to say yesterday on the Montreal Forum.
3: There are nights you don't notice him, and those, frankly, have been his best nights because there are there are also other nights where you recognize that Max Domi is not winning. He's not winning many, if any, 50-50 puck battles. Um, he had a beautiful pass last night to set up Bjork Strand on a goal, but the playmaking that he's talked a lot about have not been evident. I I don't think there's anybody on the team that has committed more turnovers or had more errant passes. I don't recognize Max Domi from the player that had 72 points in Montreal two years ago. Um, And honestly, they, they talk a lot. John Tortorella talks a lot about accountability, how it doesn't matter what your name is what your paycheck looks like, where you were drafted, etc. But there's a you look at Emil Bemstrom and he and Max Domi have been almost indecipherable at times this year. And this is a guy again they gave up a, an, a franchise shaping forward like Josh Anderson for this player, and he has made almost zero positive impact this this season. Certainly not on a consistent basis.
0: Oof, oh, ouch! I think there's a lot of things that stand out there, but on the nights where you don't notice him, those are those are his best nights. That that's not you know that's one thing for if you're Joel Edmondson. Uh, I know that uh, in your you mentioned that for your blog post, John, that if you don't mention Joel Edmondson uh, or if you don't notice him throughout the game, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but for a guy like Max Domi, whose game is yes uh, built on on speed and attacking through the neutral zone and creating offense that's definitely not what you want to be hearing out there so uh, that and first of all and, and or i should say also that's aaron on the montreal forum yesterday after max domi had a goal and an assist against florida the night before uh, so domi is up to four goals nine points he's minus 14 take that for whatever it's worth uh, in 28 games he's averaging 14 minutes and 36 seconds of ice time that so far has been a disaster of a trade. But here's here's what I'll say about this. Okay, if I think of players that would excel under John Tortorella, I don't know that Patrick Liney and Max Domi would be at the top of my list. So I, I. I do think that's a problem. Does the coach have to give in a little bit? I think that there needs to be a little bit of—you can't be so rigid as a coach. But I'm not putting the you know Max Domi's lackluster season. I'm not putting that on John John Tortorella. I mean, this is this is a huge disappointment in Columbus.
1: Well, I mean, I don't want to disparage what he did the year before in Montreal, but is that is that come is that all that different from what he did the second half of last season? Like he just, we, we well, I definitely called it pouting at times that he wasn't getting the matchups that he got. Um, he never brought it on a consistent basis. And I still think he's living off the fact that his last name is Domi. You know what I mean? You're expecting him to be bringing that competitive fire that his, his dad played with for years and years and it just doesn't feel like that's that that's his game whatsoever.
0: Uh, but he has that though. Like you like But had he's but a does he? Guy? He well, was he was guy? he
1: was a feisty guy in terms of smiling in guys faces and in terms of talking some trash and punching Aaron Eckblad in the face when Aaron Eckblad had no idea that that was coming. Other than that where are the grinding moments for Max Domi where are the moments where he was in front of the net uh, causing all kinds of trouble you know what i mean he's a he's a perimeter player that's what he's been and i think that for john tortorella we're obviously seeing that john tortorella is not going to be back in columbus um he's to me yeah, but with- i don't
0: know though like i i'm with you okay but listen he doesn't have a contract for next year john so maybe he walks on his own accord but is he really not going to be back? Like, if the GM is going out and making these blockbuster deals and the coach is allowed to sit guys and not necessarily put guys in positions to succeed, and I'm not saying that's what happened with Max Domi, but do you look at the way it's going with Line, like, is he definitely going to be gone?
1: Well, think about it. Um when a coach is fired usually the coach that is brought in or coach walks the next coach that walks in is the polar opposite to John Tortorella so you're expecting that even through all of this the next guy to be hired because I do think he's gone I think the reason that he's coaching the way he is is to prove a point of do you want a guy who holds their players accountable do you want a guy who makes sure that guys don't skate by in terms of effort? Do you want a guy who sends a very clear message to his players as to what he expects? I think John Tortorella can go out and nab one of the 31 jobs in the National Hockey League by having this on his resume of being uh, sure a lot of people won't like it, but it's his way or the highway. That's the way it goes. And I, I think that for me, the, the person who obviously should be the most upset about this is, uh, is Jarmo Kekalainen. I mean, he, his reputation has taken a major hit um, with definitely the Max Domi move, and I think Patrick Lineander, a new coach, could do some damage for the Columbus Blue Jackets, but for what was a guy who was so lauded a few years ago, um, the way that John Tortorella is steering his ship kind of into the ground right now, I think is uh, definitely not uh, not good for the future of Jarmo Kekalainen.
0: Yeah, yeah, look, I don't think it's good for the future in anybody in Columbus, but a big reason why Winnipeg wanted to move on from Patrick Laine, and, and I think we're talking about two different issues here because I think the Domi and the Laine situations are very different. Like Max Domi needs to be better. I, I haven't seen a lot of Columbus Blue Jackets hockey this year, but I've seen enough that whenever I've watched, Aaron Portsline's right. He doesn't stand out for any reason, and I can't believe that this is the same guy Who put up 72 points last year or two years ago rather like the first year in montreal he was he was out of this world like he found the back of the net 28 times and i don't think he even expected that so did i think that he could be a 70 point guy i hadn't ruled it out completely because he was still so young but now the thing is he's 26 years old and he's got one great season under his belt a few good ones but this one's like this is terrible. John, he has he had last year, you mentioned last year, okay? He had 0.62 points per game last year in a season where he wasn't very good and he clashed with the coach. This year, he's at 0.32. He he is on pace right now for eight goals and 18 assists in 56 games. This this is a guy that coming into the year was supposed to be the number two center in Columbus not only that they had to trade pierre Luc dubois away because he wasn't happy there so you would think that he would get even more responsibility with dubois gone and them needing help down the middle but the ice time i mean the ice time is just not there and i certainly understand why he played over 15 minutes on thursday night against florida if i look back at last saturday night a week ago tonight he played seven minutes and two seconds. Now, he did have 10 minutes in penalties, so that's a big part of it. But I'm looking at his ice time, and it's often between 12 and 15 minutes. It's not much more than that. So you can we can sit here, and, and I agree with you on Tortorella for a lot of the points you're saying. But on this, I mean, Max Domi, I think he, this might just be who he is. I, I, I don't think he's quite this bad. I don't think he's anywhere close to being as good as the 72-point player. But man, this has been a real. This is a colossal disappointment for Columbus. Like this is huge. This was the guy who was supposed to give you that added punch down the middle when you had Dubois. Now you don't have Dubois, and the guy's having his worst season as a pro. It's just it's terrible timing.
1: Well, not just that. I mean, I, I don't know what your expectations for him was, and as someone who was uh, clamoring for a long time trying to get Josh Anderson um, on the team. Uh, I definitely thought this was already a fleece for the Canadians because I, I I can't see I can't see Max Domi putting up more than fifty points in an NHL season ever a again. regular season yeah like sure. I I just can't see it happening it, it's be I think that the thing that's most disappointing is that if he just played with some level of intensity like never mind the fact that defensively he's not the best and he he struggles in his own zone but.
0: Well, that's the, th- the biggest problem. The th-
1: yeah, but if he was even playing with intensity offensively, you know what I mean. If he was, if he was pushing the pace, and if he was, if he was skating hard and getting in on the forecheck, check and and being a uh, a pest, he would still earn some level of ice time for John Tortorella, no matter how upset he would be about his defensive work. It's more the fact that he's a ghost. It's just we saw it last year in Montreal. I thought that John Tortorella would be able to awaken or at least infuriate him enough to play better, but it just seems like he's kind of downed his tools. He He's he's accepted that this is just a really bad situation, and he's going to ride out the rest of the season, which which sucks for, again, th- the main thing for me is Jarmo Kekalainen's reputation has taken a massive hit over the last couple of years with some of these trades that he's made, and with allowing guys like Matt Duchesne to run it out and... I mean, there's just been way too many. There's been way too many moves in Columbus that have just not paid off whatsoever. And now you're looking at a team that realistically, unless Patrick Laine gets to a point where he's an 80-point player, you might have to look in the future at trading him and Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski and coming back from scratch. Because I don't know who the guy is to take over as the center for the Columbus Blue Jackets, but it's not Max Domi. They don't have one. Pierre-Luc Dubois is not there. There's only so long that you can run with Boone Jenner before it becomes obvious that you are a very, very bad hockey team.
0: Yeah, And look, I I mean, I think it was last week where Kekalainen came out and said, uh, we we need to go out and get ourselves a center. Yeah, well, again, I I don't want to put too much blame on the GM in one sense because a lot of these guys uh, wanted out. You know, Panarin wasn't going to come back. Bobrovsky wasn't going to come back. Dushane wasn't going to come back. They were really aggressive a couple years ago. And whether or not that was worth it, I don't know. Because you swept Tampa Bay in what was probably one of the most shocking end results uh, in playoff hockey in the last decade plus. But at the same time, you know, you were bounced in the second round. So you don't really have much to show for it. Um, And the other thing is. His hands have been kind of tied for a lot of these moves. Now, at the same time, I certainly realized that I don't know what the offers were for for Pierre-Luc Dubois, but maybe prioritize getting yourself a center in that trade instead of, you know, roslovic I know he can play down the middle, but line is the big piece and is not a center. He's a sniper. And what he does at a high level is great. But the problem with Columbus now is they have nothing down the middle. They, they went out and got themselves. People forget, but they went out and got themselves Max Domi and Miko Koivu because they were bad down the middle and they wanted to improve there. Now, Miko Koivu retired. Max Domi's been bad. And Pierre-Luc Dubois not there. So without anything down the middle, you're not going to win anything anytime soon. Uh, so that's uh, that's the deal with Max Domi, Columbus, and that situation right now. I don't know how they play another half season like this. but Mark we'll Bergemay,
1: get on the horn and find out. Whatever it takes to get Seth Jones out of Columbus. I'm, just, yeah. I'm starting this right now. I'm starting this yeah. campaign on March the 13th, 2021. <laughs> let's see where it bears fruit. I started the Josh Anderson campaign like two years ago. It took two years to get him. So let, let's see if we can so get Seth uh, Jones here. Yeah, yeah that's 2023, it. 2023, we'll go. make
0: it happen. Yeah, I'm not holding my breath. Uh, it's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, John, still with you till 1 o'clock. Uh, the other news uh, that came out during the show, it uh, was about 50 minutes ago ago john uh jake gardner is on waivers uh, carolina put him on waivers today at noon i don't imagine that uh that there will be many suitors uh jake gardner of course we know i think mark bergevin came out and said i don't know if he came out did he say that they were in on jake gardner yes or- he did yes he did he did and jake gardner coming off a couple of uh A couple of bad game sevens against the Boston Bruins where he was like, he was deep in the mind. Like he was on the ice for a lot of goals against in uh, in do or die games in the playoffs and the the Toronto market just ate him up. So I can certainly understand. I don't blame him for not wanting to come to Montreal, uh, but he went to Carolina. He signed a four-year deal worth $4.05 million per season. John, there are three years left on this deal if you include this year. He's 30 years old. He's on waivers now. Like I said, I don't think anybody's taking Jake Gardner, uh, but I do not on waivers anyway, but I think if they're willing to eat some of the money, maybe they find a taker. But I I think right now he's got seven assists in 17 games, and he had been dealing with a back injury. Uh, He's missed the last two games with a back injury. Uh, He played on Sunday, but missed the previous five games with another upper body injury. So he's been banged up. If they put him on waivers, I'm guessing that he's healthy or ready to play or whatever. Uh, But he's another guy that sometimes in the NHL, free agency is tricky. And if you don't end up in the right spot on the ice, then these are things that can happen. Uh, It's a no from me on uh, Jake Gardner and the Montreal Canadiens, by the way.
1: Oh, my goodness. Uh, I will second that 100%. Um, The only thing that I want to see happen for Jake Gardner is uh, the obvious uh, very funny one, which is uh, Mr. Kyle Dubas uh, getting on the phone and uh, bringing him back for Toronto for another sabotage of their playoff success. That is the only thing I want from uh, Jake Gardner. With all due respect to Jake Gardner, I know I'm having fun at his expense, that's an unreal decor in in Carolina. So, uh, I, I mean in the same way that people were clamoring for, or not clamoring, but were at least bringing up the fact that Paul Byron making all that money on the fourth line didn't make a whole lot of sense. I think that's really just it, is that he gets pushed down to a bottom pairing, and can you pay a bottom pairing guy more than $3 million per season? That's the whole thing. I think Jake Gardner is still a useful uh, NHL defenseman, but no chance for me for the Montreal Canadiens.
0: So, okay, but let me spin it to you this way, okay? If I told you right now, that montreal and carolina hook up on a deal that sends paul byron to carolina jake gardner to montreal but carolina retains the salary enough so that it's an even even Stephen trade salary wise i think they both have three years left on that deal would you make that deal
1: no no, I still, st- I st- still
0: wouldn't for for even if it was Paul Byron. Yeah, no,
1: no. Just because I've I've been pretty vocal about this is that I, I don't think Paul Byron has been great this season. But with all the changes the Canadians have made with bringing in Corey Perry and Tyler Toffoli, he's pretty important to the identity of the team of still being a fast hockey team. So the, that that's it for me. Is that that that's why I'd keep. Paul Byron around. You are not in the salary salary cap hell where you have to get rid of him. I think that probably as soon as next season you'll have to make a decision on what to do with Paul Byron. But uh, yeah, for me, Jake Gardner doesn't move the needle enough to uh, to to trade Paul Byron for him.
0: Okay, fair enough, uh, John. It's been fun, man. The just it flies by when you and I work together. And I know we did a couple times over the last couple weeks. Uh, I uh, I really enjoy working with you, man. Can I think we do well, I think we do better without Melnick. Oh, I'm not going. to Oh, there that. it Are is. You kidding me? I I'm wanted to see that. if I could I get totally you to agree. say it. I I'm I'm wanted not, to see I'm, if I could get you to say it, but you John, didn't. I'm I'm saying it right now. I just said I'm not going to disagree with that. Oh, sorry, I, I'm, sorry. I'm right th- there with you. I thought you. you were backing away. Okay, okay. No, All right. I'm not backing away. All right, I'll, okay. I'll take, I take my shots at Melnick anytime. <laughs> I, I, I know. Forget. I just
1: wanted to know if you wanted to take one at one o'clock on a Saturday afternoon.
0: There's absolutely no chance he's listening. And by the way, you know as well as I do that I would tell him this to his face. Also, we do have to call a spade a spade. Uh, he's the GOAT. So, I know. Uh, so I don't mind working with <laughs> him. Yeah, that exactly. Ditch, not by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, hey, if it's me and you, I'm good with that. I can do this. Let's do it. All right, cool. Uh, you want to plug your uh, blog? Because I know you had some big developments with the blog post this week. Yeah, that's
1: right. Uh, it's uh, I guess now we can't call it a blog. It's an article? I don't, I don't yeah, know. It's i I'm, legit. I Like, this is... This is the the baby steps in a writing career here. But, uh, yeah, you can check it out at tsn690.ca. I've decided to name it Still Talking Habs. One of our very lovely listeners proposed it to me, and I'm definitely stealing it. Uh, And, uh, yeah, you can check it on tsn690.ca the morning after a game or on CTV Montreal's homepage. So, yeah, check it out uh, if you have a chance. And, uh yeah. I think I did a decent enough job for all the folks who uh, didn't want to stay up this week.
0: <laughs> yes, no, you definitely did. I read it after every game, so uh, late or early or whenever the game ends, I definitely read it the next morning, uh, so definitely check that out. John Stills, Still Talking Habs. Uh, if you missed any part of Saturday Sports, you can find it uh, on our podcast page, our podcast feed. We're on Apple Podcast, Google Play, uh, SoundCloud, where, basically wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Few minutes after the show's over, uh, we post it up there, and so you can catch the full show commercial free. If you missed uh, John and I uh, breaking down the CFL XFL potential merger, uh, you, you want to go back and hear it again, uh, you can find it by searching Saturday Sports on TSN 690, wherever you get your podcast. So uh, have a great rest of your Saturday, everybody. We'll be back next week.